Hello and welcome to another episode of the 12 Shows of Richard Herring podcast. This week we will be looking at Oh Fuck I Am 40 from 2007, whilst looking forward to Hitler Moustache and Headmaster's Son, not in that order, which are being recorded on the 26th and 27th, 28th and 29th, very far off of August. Um, So yes, um, Oh Fuck I'm 40... That year I turned 40 um, was the last summer before I met my wife. It was quite a time in Edinburgh. You can read about some of it in my book, How Not to Grow Up, which came out of this show. It's sort of weird to think a book came out of the show. Um, like a lot of the other ones, I would have thought, oh, that would make a good book. Hercules Terrace, um, Headmaster's Son, I thought would make a great book. Uh, this one, when you just listen to it or, or see it it's you know, some comedy routines and there's a little bit of uh, a structure to it and a little bit of de- delving into my life but uh but yes yeah, so I'm, I'm surprised I, I suppose it, it's part of the reason it did turn out to be a well a good seller in, in this return rerun uh it was the second highest selling show so far um is that everyone understands that turning 40 is a problem. Um, so here's what I said backstage in the dressing room before the show. I've had one glass of whiskey now when I'm recording this, and it, I feel like I'm a little bit off the <laughs> off the pace. Uh, but anyway, I hope you'll enjoy this anyway. Oh, well, I'm very tired indeed. I was up doing late night women's hour last night. George heard the end of it. Um, He's very upset that I did some jokes about Steve Martin yesterday, so mate, this may not record. If, you're not, if you don't hear this, that's because he's upset. Um, and I got drunk on Women's Hour and before Women's Hour, and then my baby woke up at 5.30 this morning, and I was looking after her. So it's uh, I nearly had a little nap this afternoon. So I'm quite scared about this one. There's some quite complex routines in it that I... Some of them I know, and some of them I'm not sure I know. I think the second half might be interesting again, as usual, as I was listening to it on the tube on the way here and thought, oh no, I don't actually know that. Uh, But we may just jump through some bits and leave some bits out, because again, it will probably be slightly long. Um, So yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes, really. I've I've been trying to find all the props for this show. I gave most of them away. So I had to remake the the, the, uh, free hot dog t-shirt and draw it myself. Uh, I had to go and buy a skateboard this morning uh, from Argos. It's not quite as cool as the one I actually had in the show, which I gave away as a prize for somebody who bought the book. Um, And I tried out my trick. Can you see that on my nose there? See that mark on my nose there? Mm -hmm. It's quite a light skateboard. I flipped up, but it's quite weird. It's light, but it's very thick, and it's made of plastic. It smashed me right in the face. I thought I'd broken my nose, but it didn't bleed or anything, but I've got a big mark on my nose, and that was when everyone was out. And then I tried to dress it and then he threw it through the front window so that would have been a funny start uh, I've got a little friendship bracelet on that's part of the show I couldn't find the how much is too much t-shirts I'm wearing another but it's quite tight t-shirt you enjoying this t-shirt I am yeah it's nice pink you like that George it's your kind of thing uh, and uh, so yes yeah, so I think it's sort of managed to reassemble most of the things I need uh, it'd be nice to go back to being 40 years old for the night um, last night was the first night I think like we got laughs from the dramatic irony of me pretending to be 39 and and what's happened subsequently and I think in this show as well there's some kind of sad bits in this show um, that 
that I think um, that you know were again given what's happened since will be a bit nicer than they were, but they are they are quite a little sad some parts in the second half. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it, but uh, this will be halfway through if I manage to get through this one. But I think this is weirdly possibly the most likely to go wrong just because I'm tired and I don't really know the second half but I'll do some revision in, this, in the interval we'll see how it goes I'll let you know you'll find out in a sec and once again in spite of all my worries uh, it did go really it was a lovely show I don't quite know how I'm learning all of this and remembering it all um, it often feels like I'm throwing myself in and haven't learnt it uh, but usually when I'm out there it seems to come back. So, uh, like, I've usually read through the first half a couple of times. I've, you know, in the week I sometimes do a little preview of some of the material, but I very rarely get into the second half of the shows. So often in the second half I am feeling like a bit like a drift and not sure. But, uh, yeah, it went well. Here's the beginning of the show. And this one's actually, which I tend to put in these podcasts, this is quite a confident opening to the show. I didn't have any of the music or the, or the tracks from... The CDs from this show, so I couldn't. I don't. I can't remember how I did start it or what music I played, but here is me introducing myself from off stage in my hilarious Les Square Theatre. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome Richard Herring. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hello. Welcome to show six of twelve. Thank you for coming along. Oh, fuck, for the purposes of this show, I'm 40. I can't believe I'm 40. I can't be 40 years old. I still feel like I'm 20, unless I'm walking up some stairs. And uh, I've based my whole career on this kind of juvenile, puerile, childish character. Now when I look in the mirror, I see this wrinkled, grey-haired, gonk face staring back at me. I'm, I'm not sure I can keep up with the puerile shtick. If I do, I'm in danger of turning into the English wee Jimmy Cranky. <laughs> Though I'd never marry my own brother. I, uh, I don't think Scotland should be allowed independence until they've sorted out their archaic marital laws. But uh, No, I'm just going to pretend I'm 20. Just ignore the, the brochure for this one and the fact that I'm 48. I wish I was 40. As always, you can get the complete show from GoFastTheStripe.com along with the first 10 of these 12 shows for just £12 for a lot of them. But I like to give you a little bit of value for free. So here's one of my favourite routines from this show. What I find quite interesting about this routine is it's quite a good routine in itself. And yet I felt the need at the time to deconstruct it. and Because uh, it comes up to a big punchline that works. It's almost like I feel embarrassed the fact that the punchline worked and felt the need to deconstruct it and, and show how rubbish the punk there's the punchline was whereas I think in hindsight it's just not a really interesting routine when I first did this routine and it's quite a rude routine but it's based on a true story um it's I really didn't want to do it for ages because it, 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 it within it I have to admit that I said an embarrassing thing during sex but it was one of these times when I did stand up back in the 2007 and in those early days of stand up it was a kind of a really important moment because I realized the things that you are most reluctant to talk about on stage sometimes can often be the best routines uh, and this one once I did build up the courage to do it to become like a very successful stand-up routine on the DVD I think the extra bit goes on way too long but I'll, I'll, I'll play this to you um, because it's a nice routine and it's and it's different what happens in it is different than what happens on the DVD uh, and um, yeah there's some fun improvisation 
within this. So let's have a listen to a little bit from OFACUM40, which you can get in its entirety from GoFasterStripe.com, along with lots of other material. 15 hours of comedy for £12. The other day, I, was, I bet, you know, sometimes you just meet someone and just click. It's like you've known each other for years. You just become instant friends. It's just, even though you've never met each other before, you, just something happens and it's like you're friends for life. It can be an amazing thing. That happened to me the other day. I met a girl. Um, within, we just, there was something going on. We just, we just instantaneously became really, became such good friends that within three hours of us meeting for the first time, she was back in my hotel room putting my penis in her mouth. I mean, that is an, that's an incredible level of friendship, isn't it? To get to and just... Three hours. I've had friends for 40 years and never got anywhere near that level. I thought this is going to be the best friend I've ever had. If this is three hours, I mean, we're going to be seeing each other day. We're friends every day. We're friends for life. I'm going to be backpacking around Europe with this girl. This is going to be fantastic. So we were back. Uh, and she, I didn't even want a T-shirt saying, give me head till I'm dead. She just, she just worked out on her own that I like that. And I do like that. I told you, didn't I, that? How did she know? It was like we were psychically connected on a spiritual level. It was an amazing, amazing thing. So we were... We were back in the hotel room and she was giving me oral sex. And there was a bit of an embarrassed silence in the room. Yeah, a bit like the one that's here now. And um, I thought I should try and fill that embarrassing silence with some sexy banter to make the, to make the experience more pleasurable for both of us. And the sex, why well, decide? I was a bit drunk. The sexy banter I decided to deploy, why well, decide would be a good thing to say at this juncture was that's right. Suck my big cock. <laughs> well, it sounds embarrassing now, and it's in front of 300 people. It, says it, it seems ghost, and it seems like a weird thing to say, but at the time it seemed like a suitable remark to make it sound. So I said, That's right, suck my big cock. And she actually broke off from what she was doing, looked up at me, my penis still in her hand. She said, Well, average size cock. <laughs> which I don't think was in the spirit of the original entreaty. I mean, that's... I'm all for pedantry. I'm a big fan of pedantry. I enjoy pedantry very much. I love, but pedantry has its place. And there's a place where pedantry ends, and that is at the bedroom door. You know, you don't... I don't expect the pedantry to continue. I was just trying to be sexy, uh, build up the, the part. I said, well, you know, it's, it's on the large side of average. And she kind of pulled this face at me. As if to say, no, it's actually on the small side of average, if anything. I said... Well, what average are you talking about? Do you mean the mean or the median? Because they, they can often, often be vastly different figures. The average mean human penis length erect is 5.6 inches, but 90% of human penises fall between 4 and 7 inches. So, but anyway, size isn't important. She said, you seem to know an awful lot about it for someone who isn't particularly interested in their own penis size. I said, no, I just did a show and a book all about penises uh, a couple of years ago, so I have the statistics to hand. She said, you did a show and a book all about penises, but you're not obsessed about the length of or worried, concerned about your own penis length in any kind. The point is, as well, the reason I was cross about this is I actually have quite a decent-sized penis, all right? That is, that's, I don't want you going away. When I, I went to see Richard Herring the other night, you know, the average-sized penis... <laughs> Comedian. No, I'm, going to say, I've got, I'm pleased with what's down here. That's what. All I can assume is that, that the sample of the penises that that woman has encountered in her life have been skewed dramatically <laughs> to the large end of the graph. That she's, coincidentally, she's probably slept with the nine blokes with the nine biggest cocks in the world. Then she meets me, probably the tenth biggest cock in the world, if I'm honest. But to her, that would seem like a small wick to what she's used to. I'm much smaller. To anyone else, that would be a bounteous feast. They would be, they'd be gasping with delight. 
I said, well, what did you want me to say? I couldn't say, suck my average size cock. That wouldn't have been a, that wouldn't have been a sexy thing to say. She said it'd been better than saying, suck my small cock. I said, I said, but that wouldn't be true. And again, she pulled the face. I said, well, yeah, it's small now because you've just insulted it. It's very sensitive. It's gone away. Usually it's of a good sight. And, and that's not the point, you know, it's just sexy banter. It's just stuff you say to try and turn each other on. It's not meant to stand up to scientific verification in laboratory circumstances using sophisticated calibrating machines. It's just stuff you say to get each other off. It's like I said to you, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever been to bed with. I didn't, I didn't see you go, oh, hold on a second. No, we must get out some statistics and pie charts and verify whether that is correct. You just took that. I said, well, am I the most beautiful woman you've ever been to bed with? I said, coincidentally, you are, but I, I would have said it anyway. I say it to all the women I sleep with, even the ugly ones. It's just, it's just polite, given what you're going to put them through. That is... <laughs> just sexy, and you've got to spill the sexy banter. I said, if we can be honest, I can be honest back to you, if that's what you like, if you want honesty. I'm very happy to be honest back to you. She said, I'd like that. I'd like you to be honest with me. Really? Because I'll do it. I'll be honest back to you, if that's what you said. I would enjoy that if you were honest back to me. I said, all right, I will then. I think the only reason either is, is here is because we're two essentially very lonely and sad people who've got some kind of soul-shaped gap in the heart of our chest. We're just trying to fill with meaningless sex with a stranger and just the vague hope that that will make up for the loneliness we feel just for a few seconds with someone else's skin against our own that we'll get the illusion that we're loved, the illusion that we're not alone on this planet. It's just this ball of rock that's been flying through cold space for billions of years. We'll only be here for maybe 80 years maximum. Within 50 years, when we're just dust on top of some dust, we'll be completely forgotten. The ball will keep on spinning through space and eventually be destroyed itself. Everything about the human race will be destroyed. So if we can just feel our breath on each other's necks, our skin against our skin, just our lips against each other, just for a few seconds, it gives us the pretense that we love, the pretense that we're not alone, the pretense that everything we do isn't a meaningless, pointless waste of time. You want to suck my big cock neck? <laughs> and she said, no, not really. As, as I said, A, I just told you it's not that big, so I wish you would keep, wouldn't keep saying that, because that is inaccurate. And B, what you just said there was a real mood killer. I have to say, it's, I don't feel like doing that at all now. So I said, well, that's weird, because if it was a, a sitcom or something, then... I'd have done that long speech and then you'd have kind of pulled a face and then rather than contemplate that, I'll just suck him off. Well, this isn't a sitcom, is it, though? This is real life. And in real life, if someone says something of that kind of philosophical import to you, you don't start fellating them. You, uh, <laughs> what you've said has made me really think about the way I'm living my life. Maybe I am being shallow. Maybe I do need to think about the way I'm, I'm existing, going out, sleeping with strangers. I mean, that's an odd thing to... What sitcom is this where someone's sucking <laughs> someone off? I don't know, probably two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. I haven't, I haven't watched it. I guess that's, what, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, but anyway, this, it'll be, it would have been better for the routine if you, if you had just sucked my cock, because now it's led to... What, I told you, you say this is a routine. This is a private moment between the, the two of us. I don't want you recounting this story to you know, hundreds of people. It's just so you don't... I want you to promise that you won't do that. Well, I, well, I, might, I can't necessarily promise that. When you shouldn't... If you are going to turn this into a routine, and you shouldn't turn it into a routine, then... Don't feel you have to say everything that happened in the conversation. I mean, just leave it. Leave the conversation at the funny bit. I mean, leave it at the bit where you said, do you want to suck my big cock now? That's the obvious end point of the routine. Don't, don't feel you have to recount every single thing that was actually said, because this isn't verbatim theatre. It's a comedy set. You can actually change it, just make it funny. Just pretend I did suck you off. You don't need to 
actually do it. You know, for God's sake, I mean, you really have to... I mean, if you're still recounting now what I'm saying now in this routine, <laughs> that is going to be a really terrible thing. I mean, don't do this as a routine. I don't want you to do it as a routine. But if you do do it as a routine, do not include any of this stuff. Because it would just... Because it, it will really... But comedy is about truth, isn't it? Well, that's not... No, it isn't. It's not. I mean, it's still selective. You don't... You can't just put every single thing that got... I mean, like, a lot of this isn't even... It's just... I'm making this up as I go along. And it's like, no, I'm not even expressing it particularly well. So, I mean, how are you going to... It's going to be very difficult for you to learn this word for word to, to recount it, unless you're recording this. So, are you recording... Are you recording it? I mean, you're not saying anything. You're just sort of pulling a, a face as if you're... You know, I hope you're not recording this because that would be so that'd be the only way that you could get every single word correct and then you could listen back and then learn it or I'm hope that that's not happening but don't clearly don't do this as part of the routine but if you if you do do it as part of the routine for Christ's sake I've stopped by now I mean seriously if you if you're still people will be bored they'll be shifting uncomfortably in there I would say it's not a suitable subject for a comedy routine anyway there'll be an even when you start this routine there'll be a real awkward feeling in the in the room, going, is he talking about being sucked off by a girl? This is disgusting. We'll see what's going on. And admittedly, that tension will be broken slightly when I, when you say the thing about, I said about average size cock, that will be a relief. But then, if you carry on with this now, that awkwardness, I think, will definitely have returned to the... I'm guessing that the, the audience at this point will be very um, unsettled and wondering what's... So, but, so don't do this as a routine. Please don't do this as a routine. But if you do do it as a routine... <laughs> Do I have to say it again? Don't do... I mean, if you do, You could just say that, don't you? If you're going to just say that sentence, but only say it once. Don't, you don't have to keep on saying it over and over again. They'll get... Don't do, don't do it as a routine, but if you do do it as a routine, clearly don't include... Obviously, don't include... Don't include everything. I mean, I've just said don't include three times. So don't... If you're going to use... If you're going to do it as a routine, don't do it as a routine. But if you do do it as a routine and you want to use everything up to now, don't say don't include three times. Just make that one time. And then don't have me discussing that. What I thought you should cut out of it, cut that out as well. So it's not verbatim theatre. It's just kind of. Well, look, honestly, I won't do this as a routine. I promise you. I promise you, my hand on my heart, I will not do it. As I can guarantee that. But if I do do it as a routine, I won't say your name. So I can. I promise you. I will, so no one knows who you are. You promise you won't say my name. I can guarantee you, I will not give your name out in the routine. You don't know what I'm called, do you? You don't know what my you don't know what my name You don't know what my name is. I was sucking your cock five minutes ago. You don't know I do I do know what your name is. I don't want to say it because then the people at the Leicester Square Theatre and all the other theatres I do this at. I mean the they'll probably be quite flattered that that was the first theatre that came to mind in this verbatim theatre that the, and all the other routines they're going, why is he talking about the Leicester Square Theatre? But the, when it gets to the Leicester Square Theatre, I imagine they go, oh that's nice that we he was the one that we thought of as an example to do uh, where was I uh, so I, they will know what you're called so I can't I don't they, they will know I just don't want to well just give me the first letter of the name just so no I can't because what if it's an unusual name that still might give it if it's an unusual letter that might give away and still people still might be able to identify well is it an unusual letter if you know what the name is then don't say if it's an unusual you know whether it's an unusual well, no, because I don't know what the most common first letter of girls' names is. I'll, obviously, after this conversation, I'll go straight to my computer and Google, that, and then I'll find out if it's an unusual letter. So, and then I would be able to tell you. I'll ring you up and let you know what your name is. Seriously, really don't take it this far. It's gone on much too long. And there's, I've just got a feeling like there'll be another show that will have to come into the theatre after you. 
and it will be rude for you to carry this on. It's not as good as... And I saw your show that you just did. That's where I met you. And you did the two old men on the bonfire <laughs> routine. And this isn't as good as that. You think it's as good as that, but it isn't as good as that. That was much more existential and sort of like French theatre. And this is just... This is genuinely annoying. This is not fun. This is genuinely rubbish. It's a rubbish thing to do. Well, I, I definitely won't put it in a routine. But if I do put it in a routine... <laughs> I will do all of it because that's well. I don't care. You can do what you like. I don't care because uh, a, it'll be. I hope you do put it, do it as a routine because the routine will fail and you'll look ridiculous. So I'll have won. And b, I'm going now and you just blown a definite shag. So uh, there you go. Ooh, wish I would left it at them. Can I try? I'm, I'll do it again. I'll just pretend you did suck me off with it because it was a good punchline. And then I felt. Then I wrecked the routine. So there you go, that was that. And here is my post-show analysis, which was cut a little bit short again by the people after me uh, wanting to come in and out and then had a little bit of an argument with them. So that's a nice bit of extra tension for the rest of the six shows, <laughs> the three more weekends. They wanted me to get out of the dressing room because they wanted to prepare for their show. I can understand their point of view, but also I needed to be in the dressing room to record this and to get ready after my show. It's a very complex thing. Anyway, here's my summation with uh, George, the incompetent soundman. So far, been very competent with his sound. Yes, George, I, have, uh, I did do the sperm marathon joke for the second time. Uh, there aren't any... I'm trying not to do any jokes twice, though there are interesting, like, running themes throughout shows, like Stuart Lee and Jerry Spring, the opera, you the bloke who wrote Jerry Spring, the opera. The 600 million sperm thing is a running theme. Uh, the, the coveting the ox was an early theme. There's something else that keeps on coming, cropping up. Uh, that doesn't spring to mind right now. But yes, it went very well. I had 312 in, I think. So that's the second biggest audience so far. Uh, and they were pretty nice. They were a bit reserved, George thought. Uh, and uh, But they were still quite nice. And I did a fairly sharp rendition of that. I slightly fucked up the fight story and got it in the wrong order. And, uh, and I had, actually gave quite a good go of having a go at the... Um, Talking the, the bit talking after the oral sex thing, which I wanted to ad-lib rather than redo because I don't think it made sense on the DVD. Uh, and I sort of cut down the end on purpose. There's, a, there's stuff at the end that I didn't really like, but also you now I wanted to cut the show down in five or ten minutes. So the bits I left out were largely on purpose. Had to check my sheet a little bit in the second half just for the order, but it came out quite well. And it's an interesting show because it's quite sensitive as well as being insensitive. It's a bit more sensitive than the previous one. There's still some sickish material in there, but there's... There's moments. I, I like the bit where it's just me talking about being in love with someone and there's no joke in it and, and the bits where I'm existentially worried that George enjoys because he's also worried about dying and, uh, and the bits where I'm sort of hoping that my life will come together a bit, which again, with hindsight, uh, seem to, you know, that's quite nice because the, the audience know because they've got the programme with me and my wife and my baby on. They know that it's going to be all right. So maybe that slightly takes the edge off it, but also it's, you know, it's nicer to know that things are going to work out. So, yes, it's, it was all right with halfway through, which is unbelievable. Um, and it should get easier, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? I'm kind of worried about next week. I think Headmaster Sun and Hitler Moustache might be quite difficult. They're selling really well. The week after, my two favourite shows are not selling particularly well, but maybe they'll pick up, and the final weekend is looking pretty good as well. So, uh, it, and all in all, it's been... I'm very happy to be averaging... I must be averaging about 300 people per night, I suppose, with a couple over 300 and a few just under 300. So it's... It's happy days. We'll see how we end up in the end and whether we're all going to die and what is love anyway, bring the average down. <laughs> but thank you. Yes, we'll go home and enjoy being halfway through. There's only six shows to do. That's easy, right? Now, that's easy, six shows. I've got to write one.
<laughs> so yes, we're far from the end. It's a, it's a weird situation to be in. I'm feeling very tired the day after doing these two. It's it's a it's an exhausting experience putting these together. It's quite good fun, and it actually works quite well with my duties of being a father, uh, in that I can listen to them while I'm looking after the baby, and I and I get quite a lot done in the week without while well, whilst I'm still looking after the baby. But yeah, it's the tiredness of it, I suppose, that and now the slight fear about the new show being good enough in time. So having looked forward, looking forward to Headmaster Son and uh, Hitler Stash, Headmaster Son on coming out on Friday. If you want to come and see it, go to thesquaretheatre.com website or look at richtain.com slash gigs, um, which is a lovely show. And it's, uh, there's a, right in the middle of it, there's an inappropriate, rude routine that my agent told me to take out and I refuse to take out that does, in a way, sort of spoil it for people who don't like the extreme comedy. But the rest of it, I quite like it being in there because it's still by the end, as I say in the show, you do come round to think I'm a very nice guy. And, it, and listening through to it, as I've done a couple of times, it's, it's actually made me cry. I had tears in my eyes the first time I listened to it and the second time I listened to it, I actually did cry at the end. And I think partly being just a little bit older and partly being a father, but also the further away you get from all this stuff, um, the more it resonates and it's just about me being nice about my dad and make him realising how selfish I'd been in my life uh, by not realising how things were for him. But uh, it, it, So that's, if you want to see me cry on stage, come and see Headmaster's Son. If you want to see me cry on stage, probably come and see Hit the Moustache, which I, I think I'll get Headmaster's Son under my belt. I can sort of, you know, there's the, there's a progression to it and there's luckily bits that are read out of the diary and, and I've done it a couple of bits already, a couple of the times I've done the first half, and it seems to be coming together. Although the first section is very complex and needs to come out really well. It's got a mock heroic talk about me burping at the Ascension Day service. So it, it's, these are big challenges, these two shows, because they're story shows. They're not things I did big routines on. I really thought as I got closer to the present day, the shows would get easier to learn because I would know them. And I think that is, was true of Talking Cock, which I'd lasted in 2012, and even Christ on the Bike, which I lasted in 2010. But So I thought these two shows from 2009, well, maybe Talking Cock, oh, I can't remember when they were, was it 2011, 2013, whatever. But uh, the, this this one was from 2008, 2009, yeah. So... Um, You'd think that was near close enough, but there's having listened through to them both at least once, it's going to be a little bit tricky. So I think there's something within me that makes it very difficult for me to not want to do a good show. So I will force myself to learn it, and I think that's how what's got me through the difficult weeks before. But I'm tired. I've got other stuff to do this week, um, and you know I want to spend time with my daughter and my wife and uh it may we may have some failure at the weekend and i know i say this every week but i think this might be where it sort of falls apart i'm hoping that what is love anyway and we're all going to die will be relatively easy because i'm away on a little mini break most of the next week and then there's the matter of um writing happy now which uh i don't seem to be really getting any time to do so there's a few little previews this week before these shows so hopefully I'll do a, I did a bit of Happy Now just now at a gig I was at and hopefully I'll do a longer run of it 
But uh, yes, it's a nerve-wracking thing. I think a couple more under my belt and I'll feel a little bit less nauseous. But if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please do buy the full shows. It's only 12 quid, but um, you get a lot of lot of comedy and I think it will help you understand how things have gone. If you can't get to see the shows, if you can come to see the shows, please buy a ticket and come to see the shows. Uh, com or com slash gigs. And uh, if you... Want to help us make more Rahalestapa? Go to kickstarter.com and search for RHLSDP. And of course, if you want to get the programs to the shows, you can go to justgiving.com slash happy now and email me your address and I will send you signed copies of all the programs that still exist and all the leaflets that still exist, which should be around about eight to ten programs, depending on how quickly you get in, and like probably 12 or so leaflets. So there's, there's lots of... Uh, bump there and all the money from the justgiving.com goes to scope so there's lots of ways you can contribute to me you can contribute the the buying the shows will actually make me make mean some money comes to me and chris evans the rahalastapur will give money just to make the shows i don't get any money from that and the scope stuff gives you the money to charity so you know or just keep your money for yourself and just listen to this for free because I put loads of good stuff into it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Headmaster's Son. That was the only show that, about all my stand-up shows that ever got nominated for an award. I got award, nominated for Chortle Award, but didn't win it. Hitler Moustache, I think, was, you know, was was my most award-worthy show, possibly, and, and had a lot of controversy with The Guardian misrepresenting it that obviously helped to publicise it. it was, both of these shows, I think, did pretty well in Edinburgh, but I think Hitler Moustache was... Uh, did feel like it made a sort of a splash in Edinburgh for the first time maybe since Talking Cock. Um, so I'm fond of both shows and uh, looking forward to doing them if I can remember them and if I can get them into time and then get out in time to not annoy some men who dress up as women and sing songs after me. It's a complicated world being in show business. Hope you enjoyed this. Do keep listening. Do tell your friends about the shows and about the podcasts. And uh, see you next time, and hopefully with some successes rather than some stories of failure. Though you'd like the failure, really, right? That would be fun too. Cheers.